Hello, hi, welcome to and are back to the Jet Rail Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Treese, and this episode, we are going to try not to get a headache. <laughs> um, actually, this episode, we are going to be talking about liberty and what that means, what it means to you, what it means to me, what it means in general, and uh, some advantages and disadvantages of using liberty training. So without further ado, let's get into it. you know what that means we're back to not being aggressive (laughs) Uh, so I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who listened to and shared the last podcast episode I have never had a reaction like that to an episode before and you guys that meant the absolute world to me I loved seeing everything on you guys Instagram stories sharing it um, and saying that it was super important and I I love it. Also got a lot of message from you. Okay. Also got a lot of messages from you guys saying uh, how impactful it was and um, how much it helped reshape the way that you consider horses and how they interact with one another. And I am so happy to have played a role in that. And um, even more happy that there are people out there that are open to accepting new information instead of just being defensive and writing me off and telling me I'm stupid. (laughs) I thoroughly appreciate those of you who shared your stories with me and um, said everything that you did about the last episode that absolutely just just made my day (laughs) and um, really encouraged me to keep talking about it because you guys think it's really important and, you know, I thought it was really important too, but uh, I didn't realize how impactful it was going to be. So I'm working on some more stuff, hopefully going to have a YouTube video up on it soon. And I'm working on a blog post right now um, that I think is going to be pretty awesome. I am really happy with how it's going so far. But it's taking me a really long time to write because uh, I talked for three and a half hours about it, I think. Um, So you can imagine how writing about it is going. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to you guys. And I'm sure your horses thank you as well. And I just just am so proud of this generation and this sect of horses um, and our horse people because um, I think that we are really the the stepping stone from using traditional force-based methods to kinder training, be it negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement, however you train. I think that this generation is going to be the one to lead the way to more ethical training and listening to science and doing your own research and putting the horse first instead of putting what you're trainer says first um you know it's okay to check your sources and make sure that it is what you believe in not just what you're told so with that said i think that we should jump into this hot topic if you would like to support me and the horses you can check us out on patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash jet podcast and you can sign up at whatever tier best suits you five to thirty five dollars and you can cancel at any time And you can join us on live monthly Q&As and all that good stuff. And you can also get to ask me questions that I'll answer on the podcast or privately, depending on what tier you are, and other benefits. So please check out the Patreon. And if you can't help, that is a-okay. Just keep on listening to these podcasts. You're doing enough. Okay? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, without further ado, let us get into the topic. Today's topic, you can tell, it's the title, What's Liberty? Good golly, Miss Molly, what is what is that? <laughs> um, I have to say, I have filmed this intro three times, so lower your expectations, because uh, this episode is not going well so far. <laughs> I don't know why, I just feel so, like, not on top of it. I've been staring at my computer for hours today. I keep taking breaks to, like, try and reset, but it is, it is being difficult. So forgive me if it is a little bit all over the place, more so than usual. (laughs) Um, But I am working on that blog post that I mentioned just a second ago, and I've spent hours on it today. And then I also spent hours redesigning my website. And if you want to check it out as it is right now, it's jetequitheory.com. You can look into it and see all the hard work that I've done and read my story and Zoe's story and all that good stuff. Um, But yeah, so anyway... Continuing on being off topic, um, (laughs) I'm going to get back to topic. Um, So liberty training, that is a pretty hot topic in the horse world. And there's no denying it. Everybody is just somehow enchanted with liberty. You know, when you see pictures under like the liberty hashtag on Instagram, for instance, you think about like horses and girls in beautiful flowing white dresses and they're running around in a field together and they... Uh, the horse has its ears perked, and there might as well be rainbows and fairies dancing around them. It's just magical, and it looks just, like, euphoric. It looks like the best thing in the entire world. But I'm here to tell you, that ain't it, you know? <laughs> uh, we'll get to why in a moment. But um, I first found Liberty. Okay, my cats are fighting. Apologies. Um, I first found Liberty from Heartland and Mosey Truitt on Instagram and you know I mean I guess it's kind of just like a stereotype in horse movies that like you know the abused horse or the you know a girl what do you call it? like the angsty teen girl or whatever um they come together and then they form this magical bond she can ride the horse and nobody else can etc cetera, etc cetera. um or like the black stallion for instance like all of those wonderful things you just get to dance and communicate with the horse there's you don't need anything just just your your bond and um that led to some really awful (laughs) things for me um hey can you guys stop fighting please i'm trying to record podcasts you're being rather noisy archie come here okay um anyway so led to some not so great things for me because um i thought that liberty just was reliant on your bond and i was like i've got a horse that i love a lot and that probably means i've got a solid bond with him and I can do that. So when I had Bo, who's uh, the gelding that I had before Zoe, I thought that I could just, like, <laughs> get him to do tricks. And because Mosey Truitt on Instagram, I followed her and looked at the stuff that she did, as well as Lacey Jameson, who has um, passed on now. But she was one of my 
big, big inspirations. And there were a lot of people doing things of that nature at the time, like standing on their horses' backs with no tack on. Um, that was a big thing that Lacey always did. And then um, Mosey always had her horses standing on pedestals and rearing and seeming to dance with her and all that good stuff. And I was like, I want to do that so bad. And so obviously there are no Liberty trainers in my area. It's kind of a niche thing, but, um, I, I really wanted to do it. And so I just looked at their pictures and I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's not how that works. Um, so when I had Bo, he, he had a keratoma. See, see what I'm talking about? I just keep pausing. Like I know where I'm going and it just, I'm like lagging today. I apologize. Anyway, Bo had a keratoma and that required surgery and then he was out for eight months. I think about four to six of those were spent on stall rest. And so when I would get him out to like go for a walk and things like that, I wanted to do something else with him, um, which is coincidentally a very similar situation that got me into positive reinforcement, but I'll get into that uh, later. But he... Um, I would do, like, try to bow with him. And if you look on, I think it's probably on Jill underscore heartthrob, heartthrob having one T. Um, on, it's my old Instagram account. I got locked out of it at, like, 7K, and that's when I started Jill and Bo, which then became Jet Eventing, which is now Jet Equitheory. But um, he just, I would try to teach him to bow, but he wouldn't step back with his back feet, so he would just, like, stand exactly where he was and bend one leg back and so he was just like very cramped and he just looked like he was trying to like make a rainbow and it was really not not what we were shooting for and um I was so proud of it and I always posted it online and whatever and um like oh god I'm tired apparently too like 8 p.m I never record this early and I'm so tired um I've recorded this podcast at like 3 a.m before and now I'm like yawning apologies um, I'm just going to keep apologizing in this episode. I don't know. I'm feeling very self-conscious about where my brain is at. Um, well, anyway, so I tried and failed miserably to teach him tricks and they look awful. And there are also some videos on my YouTube about it. And I also tried to ride him bridalist at Liberty, which actually ended up <laughs> in this horrible, horrible circumstance. To this day, it is one of the worst things that has ever happened to me. Um, I So I tried to first ride him bridalist with a piece of paracord that I had braided together. And I just like took him into this little pasture and hopped on him and asked him to trot, which turned into canter. And very quickly, he found the tree at the end of the arena that its branches were too low. So if he would canter under it, I would have to jump off. And, but it was, sorry, it was around a corner. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know what is going on tonight. I just can't, can't today. I'm so sorry. Anyway, um, I, he, when he had to make the turn before the tree, um, I, he would slow down. So I could jump off. So the problem was that there was a tree in that arena and I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this in this arena anymore. So one day, um, nobody was at the barn and I was like, okay, good. I can try this without embarrassing myself. So, um, you know, I'm in shorts and a tank top and tennis shoes. And I was like, I'm going to take him to the round pin. So I went down to the round pin and hopped on him and, um, 
I had on this bareback pad, and it was green with uh, a nylon strap across the back uh, that would connect to the girth. And so I take him in the arena, and I have his halter on, and I hop on him bareback and sit on this half pad. Or, I mean, not half pad, bareback pad. And it's got this, like, this nylon strap, right? Remember that? And I'm in shorts. You, if, if you've ever experienced this, you know where I'm going. Um, so I, you know, start riding him in the halter, and it's fine. So then I just go ahead and take the halter off. And I cannot remember if I just grabbed onto his mane or if I had that... Um, neck rope. I really don't remember which way I did it, but um, either way, uh, I could not get him to slow down. He started cantering, and he was just lapping and lapping and lapping and lapping and lapping and lapping. Like, he just would not stop. And I had on shorts, and this nylon rubbed me until I had, like, a third-degree burn. Like, do you know how hard you have to rub your skin against something for it to burn off that's what happened. It just rubbed the entire inside of my knee pit raw. Just my knee pits on both legs were completely rubbed raw. And I am like just, he's cantering around and I am bawling my eyes out because it's a circular arena and he's like panicking and I can't get him to slow down. So he just keeps going in circles. And I was like, he has to slow down eventually. And I thought about bailing, but he was going so fast and it was such like such a tight arena that um, I, and you know, in the time that I had to contemplate this, I was like, he's going too fast. If I jump off, he might kick me or I'm definitely going to break a leg or a wrist or something. And I would rather uh, just burn my legs off than uh, risk one of those things happening. So I just rode it out until I, um, I either grabbed really high up on his mane or I slung the neck rope up into his throat latch and just yanked as hard as I could, which bless him for not like attacking me um but he eventually like half halted when I did that and uh I bailed like I just jumped off immediately and I uh, was just crying and like kissing the ground I was so happy to not <laughs> be stuck on his back with my legs burning off um so anyway then I um brought him out of the arena and put him away and was so embarrassed for like the next week because I mean obviously I had to tell my trainer and everybody why I wasn't going to be in lessons that I had strangely just rubbed off all the skin off the back of my knee and they were like how did you do that and uh, it's just not not one of my brighter moments um but that is the problem and I'm not saying that liberty is like all to blame for that obviously I was a young naive child um but it it perpetuates this um this, I guess, fallacy or fantasy, fantasy is probably more accurate, it's fantasy that you can just do whatever with your horse if you just believe. <laughs> like, it's it's not a fairy in Neverland, my dude. That is not how that works. Um, so this is, this is my point. Liberty, usually, the way people think of it is this connection with your horse. You want to do liberty training out in the field where you're just running around and there is nothing on the horse and it's just magical. And everybody wants to learn how to do that because it's just your childhood dream to have a horse that, like, wants to be with you, (laughs) Um, which is so strange because that's what everybody wants and we do the exact opposite. We make the horse not enjoy being with us in most cases and it takes a hot second of untraining for you to um, figure out how to do that in most cases. Some people definitely start out um, in better ways, but um, 
that's where I think that we have this, this problem in traditional training. And I hope that, um, you know, that will start to change. I have a lot of faith in the upcoming generation and even some of the um, generations that have been at it for years. Um, I always get emails. The best emails I think that I get are from trainers that are like, I've started incorporating this into my lesson program. And I'm like, oh, my God, you rock. Um, so anyway, um, it's just it's odd to me that people want so badly to have this connection with their horses where they um, can work with them with no ropes and equipment in a big open space and their horse wants to stay with them. But the way they train is by teaching the horse, um, that, uh, bad things happen around the human. You know, they get hit or kicked or spurred or whipped. And I'm not saying that all of those things are necessarily bad all the time, but generally the way they're used in, uh, traditional training is, too much and painful and you can spin it however you would like but if it is painful the horse is probably not enjoying it um so anyway um that's liberty liberty is that ethereal idea that you see in like heartland the tv show and it is just not that ain't it chief what liberty means to me is the horse's at liberty not you're not doing liberty with your horse you are working with your horse at liberty you're doing positive reinforcement at liberty you're doing negative reinforcement at liberty you can like it liberty is not the method it's kind of like the setting <laughs> um so like when you ride normally you have on tacking equipment when you lunge your horse you have on a lunge line with liberty you just don't have anything on the horse but you're still using the same training principles, if that makes sense. So to me, liberty just means the horse is free to leave or free to stay. And I feel like it's important to point out that just because a horse doesn't have any tack or equipment on him does not necessarily mean the horse is at liberty. Because like I said, to me, liberty means the horse has a choice. He can either choose to stay with you or to leave you. And if you are in a teeny tiny, you know, 20 to 30 meter round pen and, you know, the horse is at the perimeter of the round pen, he does not really have a choice whether he wants to be with you or not because he's stuck right next to you. Especially if you're working with like join up, like we talked about in the last episode, the horse doesn't have a whole lot of choice. He either gets the choice he does have is to either continue to be afraid and sprinting for his life around the perimeter of the arena or standing next to you and following whatever you do so that he doesn't get scared. That's not really a choice. That's just picking from two evils with both bad consequences. (laughs) Um, So to me, a choice is the ability to do two things that you would like to do. Um, You get to pick between the two And so a scenario where I would say that the horse has choice is, say, with Zoe. When I work with her out in her pasture, she has access to hay and grass and water and um, her pasture mate. And she chooses to come over to me and work with me. And the treats that I'm using, beware, this is going to send me on a tangent. Um, The treats that I'm using are called alfalfa pellets or hay pellets. So they're not that much more salient than hay. And all salient really means is like how valuable or reinforcing or tasty. (laughs) Um, So they're not that much higher up than hay is. And so what that means is Zoe can either pick between eating the hay that's just hanging available on her um, 
like on the fence in the hay bag, or she can choose to work with me and work for the reward. Um, and this is called contra freeloading. And this happens with all sorts of different species of animals that they would rather work for the food than just get it for free. Why? Because it's enriching. And um, contra freeloading is the entire reason <laughs> we can do things at Liberty um, because the horse is given a choice. Now, in the circumstance where the horse might feel that he doesn't have a choice is if you have like, if you're working like with a really, really sugary, powerful, salient treat, um, then the horse doesn't really have a choice because he's not choosing between the same thing in, you know, like a different environment, I guess. Um, so it's not choosing hay um, from a bag or from your treat pouch but it's choosing between hay and a really, really sugary, tasty treat. Um, that's not really a choice. <laughs> Obviously, there is one uh, more fun, enjoyable answer or whatever. Um, so you have to be uh, aware of that, that you're not um, forcing the horse to make a choice, be it through um, being scary or pain-inflicting or that you're withholding something that's really, really good to the horse. With Zoe, when I work with her, she can leave at any time to go eat grass or go eat hay, and sometimes she does. And the great thing about that is that she, um, like when she does leave, it's not necessarily a bad thing to me. And this is really, really important for the young horses that I work with as well, because the babies, they don't have as long and mature of an attention span as say Zoe does. Zoe, I know you're supposed to keep sessions rather short, but I always lose track of time with her because she just wants to keep going and she never seems to like start missing until we hit about like 25 minutes and then she starts getting a little like mentally fatigued and so do I. Um, but for that 25 minutes, it is sole focus on what we're doing and she is just a powerhouse at it. But the baby horses you got about five five to ten maybe ten um and that's like really pushing it and if it's something that doesn't require a whole lot of brain power like just standing while I brush your mane or something so um that is what I want to point out that it's it's really great when your horse does leave and you might be like Jill what the heck that is the worst thing in the world how can you train if your horse leaves all the time um, it's an indication to you. It, it is kind of like a, a check engine light, if you will. If you're working with your horse and they would rather walk away from you, it probably means that you're either not entertaining or enriching enough for them, or um, they're confused and they're getting frustrated, which I much prefer a horse that will walk away when they get frustrated with you rather than, um, you know, start acting out aggressively, which is what I think is beautiful about liberty training is when you don't have any tether to your horse and they're free to come and go as they please, they tend to be a lot less aggressive and violent. And now I will say that um, Mac, when we first got him, it was my RRP prospect. He um, is the only horse that I've ever had so far that got quote-unquote aggressive at Liberty, but I think it comes from his history and he wasn't quite trusting of me yet, and I just kind of walked up to him and I didn't see any signs that indicated something was going to happen, but for some reason he just pawed out and he could have been feeling fresh, but um, he just like did this really big paw out motion. I was like, ah, <laughs> um, but then he never did it again. So, um, 
I think it's, but then also you're not stuck. You're not tethered to the horse. So you're not going to shake the lead rope at it and tell it to get out of your space and mind its manners and blah, blah, blah. You can just move away from the horse and the horse can do the same for you. If he's uncomfortable by your presence or something that you're doing, the horse can just leave. And I love that because like I said, it does tend to decrease aggression and uh, their frustration levels because you don't have this thing that's keeping you in super close proximity. And so when your horse is confused or frustrated or bored um, or not liking what you're doing, he can just leave. And like Lexi, um, our three-year-old that I'm working with, she is terrified to death of needles. And so I don't think that the answer to fixing that is tying her up and trying to solve that problem because she's just going to pull. It's going to make her more anxious and exacerbate the situation. So what I'm doing is I am having her learn to just stand and hang out at Liberty. And um, that is going to be really beneficial when we start working on desensitizing to, um, you know, having her neck touched and then having an object near her neck and then this object near her neck and then another object near her neck and then a syringe near her neck and then, you know, something that maybe pokes her a little bit, but not like, not like a needle poke, like a, like a finger, like something really big and blunt. And then gradually we work up to the, um, the needle. But today I was giving her a haircut and cause her mane was really long and tangly and I was like, it's way too hot. So I just cut her mane and, um, she, I accidentally poked her with the scissors. Um, I think she like swatted a fly or something and she like moved her neck into the scissors and it poked her and she, her eyes got kind of wide and then she just walked away from me. Now this little filly, I have seen so many different types of reactions out of her because she is terrified to death of needles. And that was the most calm and quiet response. And she just said, I would like to not be here now. And she just left. And it wasn't an explosion. She didn't paw out at me. She didn't try to bite me. She didn't pin her ears. She didn't do anything aggressive. She was just like, nope. And she just walked away because she knew she could. And I think that is a huge difference. And I'm not, I'm not saying that when you, um, you know, work with your horse not at liberty, when you have a lead rope or a halter, that it's dangerous or bad or you're inherently stressing your horse out or making them feel trapped or more likely to be aggressive. But I think in certain circumstances, especially with horses like Lexi, when you're working with something that makes them uncomfortable, they really need to have the option to leave. Because I think the worst thing you can do to a horse is try and flood them and wait until they just give up and uh, wait until you send them into learn helplessness and they learn that they don't have a choice. That is the complete opposite of liberty. And that's often what happens with um, join up. You can do liberty, quote unquote liberty, with, um, you know, where the horse has no tack on them and still use negative reinforcement and, you know, some positive punishment um, as long as you can make the horse, you know, or uh, inflict something onto the horse that it doesn't like, be it fear or pain. Um, like a lot of people do this with like tarps or plastic baggies or, um, flags or big bouncy balls. And they just bounce it on the horse until it stops running, you know, and that is an example of flooding. And it is extremely stressful for the horse to endure. And beyond that, um, you're teaching the horse that it can't get away from scary things that it just needs to submit 
um, which is an anthropomorphic word to use, but that it just needs to give up. It needs to um, stop running and just let the scary thing eat it. And that's not really something that you want to teach a prey animal. Just throwing that out there. Um, so I just think it's really detrimental to the horse. It, it like dampens their spirit and it teaches them that no matter what they do, you're always going to do whatever you would like, whether it scares them or hurts them or whatever. And that is just not the way that I would like to train my animals. And I should hope it's not the way that anybody else wants to, but I see it happen way too often. Of course, it's justified and painted in a prettier picture with um, nice words like teaching and learning. The horse is licking and chewing because he's learning. Nope, coming down from his sympathetic nervous system. Cool. Um, So, I mean, it's all semantics, I guess, but the horse doesn't think so. So, anyway, to my point, with Lexi, I think that that situation would have gone very differently if I had her tied up and then just kept poking her with the scissors until she finally either killed me or gave up and learned that I'm just going to do whatever I would like to do to her and she has no say. And that is, I think, not the goal (laughs) of training. And uh, I think it is important for the horse to have a choice. Some people might see that aspect of liberty as a disadvantage because it can be annoying and inconvenient when you're trying to get somewhere with your horse and they keep leaving. But to me, as frustrating and difficult as it is sometimes to recognize, it's a sign that the horse is not getting it. And the reason that the horse is not getting it is not the horse's fault. It's your fault. And I hate to say that because it's very blamey. But at the same time, you're the one that wants to train this animal. You're the one that brought it into your world and your human life. And I think that's an amazing thing that people do because I think we should own horses so that they don't die. Um, And don't go extinct and all of that good stuff. But at the same time, you have to teach them. And if the horse isn't learning, it is your fault. You know, I mean, if you have, say... If you have a child or you are a child and you go to school and your parents send you there to learn algebra and your teacher is teaching you geometry, it's still math, it's in the right direction, they're teaching you something, but you're not getting it and, um, you know, it's not the right thing or it doesn't make sense to you, um, then your parents are going to be like, hey, teacher, why aren't you teaching my, my child what they're supposed to be learning. You know, it is not the child's fault that they're not learning it. It's, you know, it's on the responsibility is primarily on the teacher. And, um, obviously it's not all, well, whatever. I'm not qualifying every statement that I make, but, um, in training, at least if you want to make your horse do things, (laughs) you know, like jumping or riding, it is your responsibility to teach them how to do those things. You cannot just expect them to because bond and they love you or because they're a horse and they're supposed to, or because they have this history and they know better. Those things are all the things that I talked about in the previous episodes and debunked the reasons why that should not be used in training. You guys know this, but it, it is just, that ain't it, chief. You got to teach the horse. And I think liberty is a fantastic way to do that, especially for situations where the horse is likely to leave. Like with Lexi and the um, scissors versus needle situation, Um, she's highly likely to walk away from me in that situation. And I know that going into it, and that's why I did not tie her up, because I didn't want to stress her out even more. I want her to know that she can leave, and then that is the only way that you can get a true yes. So this is a concept that Mosey Truitt... um, 
who actually has the like brand uh liberty horsemanship training um she has a website and like online courses and all that good stuff um which i've actually taken her online course and i highly recommend it it's called the liberated horse um but um yeah so her she she ow oh god everything (laughs) so bad um Anyway, she did a podcast episode. I forget which one it was. It was one of the earlier ones. And she was talking about how if you don't allow your horse the choice and the option to truly say no, to walk away from you and be like, I don't want to do this, or I'm not interested right now, or you're not making any sense. If you don't give the horse that option, you never get a genuine yes. And that's where um, we start talking about consent and training. And consent, like... I 100% agree with the concept that you should give the horse the option to say no so that they can truly say yes, and that is consent, but that word for some reason is a hang-up for me, and I think that it will be a hang-up for a lot of people. I don't know what other word you could call that, but I think that really makes people think that um, it's kind of like a tree-huggery, witchy-voodoo, you know, magic-y, not-actual-training thing. Um, because when I first heard people talk about like consent based training, I was like, okay, I don't need my like a horse consenting for me to get on. It's okay. Yeah. Right. Um, it sounds a little anthropomorphic, but it's not because like, I agree with the concept. I don't know why I just have a hang up on that word and maybe it's just me, but, um, I feel like a lot of people that come from a traditional background are going to be like "Mm, consent with a horse. But if I'm here to tell you, If you give your horse the option to say no, you do not restrict them and force them to stay with you when you start training them. And especially when you first start positive reinforcement, they're going to leave all the time. They're going to, you know, see if you're serious about uh, letting them have a choice. And also positive reinforcement is a totally new thing for a lot of horses. So it can be really mentally taxing. So sometimes they just get fatigued mentally. Or sometimes, you know, if you're new at it, you might not be executing it in a way that really makes sense to the horse. I mean, if you get bored and you have a friend around you one day, I highly recommend trying to click or train them to do something, Um, you know, not using any words or anything like that, just clicking every time they do something right and rewarding them. Um, It's it's harder than you think and then have them do it back to you and then you'll have a lot more empathy for your horse. Um, So anyway, my point in saying that is... um, especially if you start out in the beginning and you notice your horse is walking away from you a lot, don't be too hard on yourself and be like, oh my God, I suck at this, or my horse hates me, um, or all of those things. Take it as a good sign. Your horse is learning and it's mentally taxing and uh, your horse is testing its ability to say no, um, which is a really good thing because you want your horses to realize they can say no. If they don't know they can say no, you're still not getting a real yes. So when your horse walks away from you, when you first start doing this sort of training, then you're like, oh, hell yeah, they're recognizing it. They got it. And then you can just hang out and, you know, dick around on your phone for a little bit. And then when they come back, um, you know, you can keep going. And um, then you start getting real yeses from your horse. Like Zoe, I cannot pry that horse off my side if I tried. She wants to work all the time. If it were up to her, we would be doing stuff all day, every day. She enjoys it so much. And if I had the time, I would be out there. But unfortunately, I have to do things like this. Thanks, guys. Um, You're taking Zoe's time, or my time away from Zoe. Hold on, I have to take a drink. Mm. So thirsty. Um, 
anyway, so some other perks of being able to work with positive rein, I mean, not positive, at liberty is you don't have to deal with a bunch of shit in your hands. You don't have to worry about whips. You don't have to worry about all the ropes. Like lunging can be really difficult. I myself have not figured out how to lunge at liberty just yet. Um, working on it. I don't know if I'm going to get there by the time that I start Zoe's kissing spine rehab, which is another thing. I'm going to tangent really fast. Um, a lot of you keep asking me on how I'm doing her rehab. And I think I've said it before recently. I really don't know. I'm working on it and I'm trying to figure out a schedule. I've been really busy the past couple of weeks. And next week I'm leaving to go on a vacation with my family. So I am, you know, like not going to be here. So it's kind of pointless to start. And it's been so hot here in Arkansas. I just, it's miserable outside. And um, everybody, all of the horses are really like anxious and uh, in the mornings before breakfast. So I don't really want to work with her then. So I'm kind of just waiting until it cools off a little bit to get started. And then, um, I really don't want to start conditioning her and trying to get her fit when it's so hot out. I'd rather start when it's a little bit cooler. And then, um, next summer, you know, she'll already be more fit hopefully. And so then we can keep going instead of trying to start, if that makes sense. So, I'm trying. I'm working on the kissing spine issue. I will get there. I'm about to order a book that is on um, lunging with positive reinforcement that I found on Amazon. I think that it might be um, helpful. So I'm pretty sure you can just type in clicker training and scroll down. I think it's a Hertha James book. I don't know anything about her. I've never read one of her books, but I'm probably going to order it. I might read it um, soon. But yeah, so anyway, that said, don't have to coordinate ropes and... uh, you get a true yes, and it's it's really difficult to get rough. Unless you do some join-up-esque behaviors like, um, you know, juking the horse out or swinging a whip or a rope or anything like that, um, directing your energy, being scary, yelling, those sorts of things. Um, but none of those things really actually hurt the horse because, by definition, liberty is kind of like you're not using any equipment um, so if you're swinging a whip at them, you're not being at liberty. Take that. Um, but anyway, uh, that said, you still can be rough at liberty. You can be aggressive and, um, hard on the horse, but it doesn't, it's a lot harder than if you have a lead rope, you're a lot more apt to yank on it or shake it, um, which is obviously painful and not great. So, um, I think liberty takes a step in, the right direction um and also it's you can't control the horse so you you allow them to make their own decisions as long as you know all of the former criteria that i have listed um are fulfilled but i think that just about covers it for like the intro and now i am going to pull up some questions that you guys asked me on my instagram story i asked you guys what sorts of questions you had that were like relevant to um liberty training and work of that nature and of course i got a ton of responses because everybody is just enthralled with liberty rightfully so i definitely um am and was um but like a lot of the questions are going to be um i think in that realm of like how uh like this question says how to start it with an older horse it, it you how you start liberty is just taking all of the equipment off the horse the training is the either positive or negative reinforcement and 
like learning principles, training, um, that sort of thing. Starting Liberty with an older horse is the same as starting it with a younger horse. You just don't have any equipment on it. Um, you have to teach it the basic principles of whichever training method you're going for. I recommend positive reinforcement, especially at Liberty, because I think you have a lot higher chance of your horse wanting to work with you, um, using positive reinforcement rather than negative. Um, because I could be totally wrong, but I'm, I would say in most cases that you use negative reinforcement, the horse is staying with you because they are afraid of what will happen if they leave. So I think it's better to just stick with positive reinforcement altogether, especially with Liberty kind of work. You're not doing like really any like upper level extreme training or anything like that. So I think it's better to kind of keep it in the positive reinforcement realm. So essentially starting that, um, I would start in protected contact and start introducing your horses to manners, how to, how you want them to behave around treats and, um, target training and that sort of thing. And then you'll be pretty much set and safe to go start working with them in their arena or their pasture at Liberty. Okay. Next question. Do you have any tips on getting a horse to trust you? Um, my biggest tip for, uh, building trust with your horse is to create a positive association with yourself. You want to prove to this animal that you are not going to hurt it. You are not going to break its trust by hurting it. And you just kind of have to make a pact with yourself and with that horse that, um, you know, you're there to do good things that are enjoyable for both of you. Um, and it is really important that you actually pay attention to whether or not whatever activity you're doing is actually enjoyable to your horse, because if it's just enjoyable for you and the horse doesn't really seem to be enjoying it, but he's tolerating it or, um, doing it anyway, uh, I would be wary of trying to spin that so that you can keep doing what you're doing. Um, it's a pretty good indicator if the horse, um, doesn't want to keep doing it. And if you stop, um, or if you set them free, if they, um, leave you it's a pretty good indication that they're not enjoying what's happening sorry i had to had to um drink how do you train backup i don't think i've talked about this before i think actually no that's a lie i definitely have talked about backing up um under saddle um essentially with zoe i taught her to back up by standing next to her shoulder and walking backwards because she knows how to follow me forwards and I just did it backwards and then she leaned backwards and I clicked and the next time she leaned further backwards and I clicked and the next time she took a step backwards and I clicked and the next time she took more steps and then I just sort of transferred that all around her to where I can stand in front of her and say back and she'll back up um and all of that good stuff um but I did not I touched her first and then I realized that she generalized that very quickly and um, she started backing up every time I would touch her. So I really don't recommend teaching a backup cue tactilely. I recommend a like body gesture, like you walking backwards beside them or a verbal cue, like saying back. Um, because the tactile cue, I just don't prefer my horse to back up every time I touch her shoulder. Um, so how do you start training your horse to respond to commands slash instructions? Well, commands and instructions are two different things. A command is more, um, to me, when I hear command, I think canter, and if the horse, say you're lunging, and if the horse doesn't canter, you swing the whip at it. That's a command. There is an or else implied. I prefer in my training to use cues, where um, I 
say for like the backup situation, um, I stand in front of Zoe and I say back and she takes a couple steps backwards and I click and reward. There is no or else, um, I guess, unless you count the, I guess, implicit negative reinforcement of me not giving her the treat if, um, not negative reinforcement, the implicit negative punishment, um, that if she doesn't take a step back, she doesn't get treats. But there is no like, you know, painful or anything like that. It could be mildly frustrating, I suppose. But um, usually they just like try harder and then they get it. Um, But how do I start training them to respond to commands and instructions? Well, first, with positive reinforcement, you get the behavior, um, like a a fragment of the behavior going. So like I said, with the backup, I started by standing beside her. And then I took a step backwards and she maybe like flicked an ear backwards or leaned Uh, Like she was about to take a step backwards and then I clicked and gave her a treat and then we did it again And then each time she got a little bit closer and closer and then she would um, Take a full step and then maybe three steps back and then I started saying back and then I would start walking backwards So that's what we call new cue old cue behavior click treat so I She already has the cue of me walking backwards means she needs to walk backwards and then she'll get a treat so in order to put that on a vocal cue, I um, say back, and then that verbal cue becomes a predictor of the me walking backwards old cue. And then, so she puts those two together eventually, and then she'll start um, she'll start backing up off of um, just the word itself, and then I can do it from anywhere around her. Um, the trick is not to say back and then wait until she guesses back the trick is to say back and then immediately start walking backwards like you just want it to be a predictor and then maybe you'll say back and hesitate for half a second and then walk backwards and then you gradually increase that time but you still want the horse to be successful you don't want to just like throw him to the wolves and be like okay if you don't back up you don't get a treat Um, so the goal is obviously to minimize the amount of time that the horse is wrong and uh, the chance at getting inadvertently punished so okay how next question is how no's have looked different in different horses um if applicable so um so different no's i mean some of them just walk away some of them like mac i said earlier he got um a little bit either playful or aggressive i'll I'll never know um so i mean it, it can either be usually one of those two um or the horse offers a different behavior that I'd rather do. Um, or sometimes they just don't react at all. Like maybe backing up is painful. And so they don't want to do that. Um, another question. Do you think that asking repeatedly, like around three times, asking the same question in one session affects autonomy? So I think this goes back to what I was talking about, about having like an overly salient treat. This is another example of that. Like if the horse is repeatedly not responding to the cue, It's either an indication that the horse doesn't understand what you're asking, even if they've done it once before in the past. That doesn't mean they totally get it. Um, You know, you have to have multiple repetitions to know that the horse actually has it. Like, for instance, Dexter, our little baby horse. Um, I had him picking up all four of his feet, and then I didn't work with him for a few months because we got Azula, and I love her, and I got a little bit favoritist. Um, And so I've recently started working with him on picking up his feet again, and he forgot. He just doesn't know how to do it anymore. (laughs) He doesn't know what those cues mean. Um, so 
just because he's known it before doesn't mean that he knows it now. It's up to me to keep up with the training and be diligent. So if you are asked, if you're finding yourself being like canter, 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 and your horse is not responding, your horse does not know the word. Um, if you're saying back and your horse is not backing up, um, or they're dancing around or, you know, walking around you or sniffing your treats or offering a different behavior like Zoe, she'll smile sometimes. She'll just lift her upper lip when she doesn't know what I'm asking. And then I reset and I go back to my little internal workshop and ask myself how I can make it clearer for her because clearly she's not getting it. And it's my responsibility as a trainer to design a lesson plan that she understands. So I normally go into sessions having multiple different ideas on how to train a behavior. So if you are finding yourself asking your horse multiple times repeatedly to do the same thing and you're not getting the result, it's either because the horse physically cannot simply does not want to, or really does not understand what you're asking. And it is usually the latter. Um, so Yes, I think it affects autonomy um, if there is an or else implied. Um, if the horse doesn't do it um, after you ask the three times, um, like I think a riding example might be um, if you say are trying to get a horse to walk over a pole and the horse stops in front of the pole and you put your leg on and you squeeze and the horse does not walk forward and then you squeeze again and the horse doesn't walk forward and he tries to go around it and you put him back in front of the pole and you squeeze again and the horse is not going, you're asking over and over again and the horse either does not want to, is afraid or um, can't physically or doesn't understand what you're asking, um, you're not giving the horse a choice. He asked to leave and you said no. Um, so yes, that affects autonomy and also it doesn't really respect the horse as a learner um, or a potentially flighty animal. I have to take a drink again. I'm thirsty. Mm. I don't know why I'm so thirsty tonight. Um, what misconceptions about it do you hate the most? I hate so many. So I think probably one of the biggest misconceptions about it. Well, it's not really, it's not really a misconception, but the thing that bothers me the most about it probably shouldn't bother me about it because there's just really not a lot of information out there. So it's not really people's fault, but the fact that they think it is an entire form of training in and of itself, unless you are referring specifically to what Mosey Truitt does and her like actual training, like, because that is a, a method of training, but Liberty in general is not a method. It's just like a setting, a circumstance um, a lack of equipment and the freedom of the horse to stay or leave. That is not a training method. Uh, it might be a component or a setup or an environment, circumstance, whatever you want to call it. That's probably my biggest pet peeve about it. Um, somebody said I commented on your last YouTube video on some issues, but, um, I don't, people always seem to not understand <laughs> when I ask questions on my story and I say, ask questions about dominance theory. They're like, how would you work with a horse that, um, is brown? I'm like, I, what does that have to do with dominance theory? Um, I, whatever. Um, I agree with you when it comes to join up, but would you consider it to be Liberty or not? Um, I essentially answered that. It depends. If you strictly categorize liberty training as the horse is at liberty to stay or leave based on the fact that it doesn't have equipment on yes join up is the horse is at liberty 
if you categorize it as the horse has a choice in the circumstance, no, it is not liberty. It's absolutely not liberty because the horse doesn't have a choice. The horse either gets to choose between being chased around and scared for its life or standing next to you for fear of getting scared for its life if it doesn't. That's not, that's not a choice. That's not liberty. Um, my pony always stops to graze when I'm working with him or riding him. How do I handle that? Um... Okay, well, I'm not really talking about riding because it's kind of hard to ride at Liberty. Um, I mean, I guess you can if you're riding tagless, but I do not think that this question is about that. Um, I think that sometimes grazing is a sign of anxiety. Um, you can usually tell by how quickly the horse is, like, grabbing at the grass. Especially if you're, like, walking and your horse just dives his nose into the grass and snags a bite. Sometimes that can be an indication of nervousness or anxiety. It's a um, calming signal the horse is trying to um, kind of settle down. Um, it can also be a displacement behavior if the horse is uncomfortable by something. Like, you put him in a new pasture and he just starts, like, munching on grass, like, aggressively. Um that can be a sign of that. Um, at new shows, like if you take your horse to a show or a new barn and they're just like dragging you around eating grass, it's usually because they're trying to calm themselves down and not look threatening to any other horses. Um, and sometimes, um, like especially maybe ponies, um, they're deprived of food. <laughs> Some ponies I know are on a dry lot because they have a tendency to founder um, and they are hungry all the time. Um, or because they don't like what they're doing. Um, there are a few different reasons for that. I know that there are, I know, I think Hippologic, she has a website, Hippo, H-I-P-P-O Logic, um, does a seminar on it that you might look into. I have not done it. Um, next question says, transitions with positive reinforcement, mark and have them stop to give the reward right away or wait a few paces. What? Oh, yeah, okay, I see. Um, so, not really a question about liberty, but I will answer it anyway. Um, I usually mark immediately and then gradually start building duration. Every time I teach a new behavior or start working on something that I am reinforcing via positive reinforcement, I start with the smallest, smallest increment and work up from there. I don't ask my horse to canter and then canter 10 strides and then click i want i'm training the transition so i'm going to mark the transition um and that means you have to stop afterwards and then give the horse a treat but the difference is your horse is going to have done that transition 20 times whereas you know sally on the other side of the arena has only done it once because she's still cantering in the amount of time that you've done all those transitions um so who which horse is going to be better at transitions yours um does positive reinforcement work the same or similarly for dogs as it does with horses? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm pretty sure all species, including fish, humans, dogs, cats, horses, reptiles, all learn through operant conditioning. How to train with positive reinforcement and not get upset when they get a little nippy? To me, I would say you need to step out of the stall or arena that you're working in and stay in protected contact because if you are in a space where you can't just step away and the horse can't follow you, um, you run the risk of having to reprimand your horse and that's not what we want to do. So until you get that under control, I would recommend um, staying outside the fence or outside um, the stall while you work on this and just teaching your horse manners um, 
and I call them manners anthropomorphically, really you're just rewarding the horse for the behavior that you want to see. If your horse is being nippy, do not give him the treat while he's nipping for it. Um, only reward the horse out of your space and when their head is away from you. So I have several videos, I think, on my YouTube where I demonstrate that. I have an entire blog post about that on jeticwiththeory.com um, slash help. Um, it would be in the positive reinforcement help tab. Um, but I talk all about that on those. I also have several different episodes on biting. I would not get frustrated at it, but take it as a training challenge instead. Um, because it's really not hard to fix, um, nipping. You, um, really just have to teach the horse, um, that the way to get treats is to just be out of your space. And by definition, the horse cannot both be out of your space to get a reward and nipping you at the same time. Um, so you teach that incompatible behavior to, um, hopefully help the horse get what he wants. And then he, um, dissolves the nipping behavior, um, as a result, but also there are other potential causes of nipping that could be frustration. If you're waiting too long, um, in between clicks or you're asking too much at once and the horse is like, get on with it already. You know, you're supposed to reward me. Um, so it depends. I would have to watch you train to know that for sure. Um, so somebody else asks, not a question, but please explain to people that liberty trained with negative reinforcement does not equal autonomy. So I tend to agree. Um, because as I said earlier, negative reinforcement tends to, it, it's not negative reinforcement, it's traditional training that tends to come with an or else. Because if you're working at liberty with your horse and you have a, say, a dressage whip, and you're out in the field and you're sending the horse around you with a dressage whip, um, if the horse stops going around you, usually there's some sort of like chasing or whipping or something that makes the horse continue because he knows if he doesn't, he's going to face a reprimand. Um, and also negative reinforcement tends to not work well with liberty because by definition you have to apply an aversive. So again, if we don't, if we're not clear, negative reinforcement is the removal of something unpleasant in order to increase behavior. Negative means removal. Reinforcement means increased behavior. So uh, say you're riding and um, you want the horse to um, go faster. So you put your leg on, which eh, this is where the quadrants get kind of messy because technically that could be positive punishment. Um, you're punishing the horse for walking when you want it to trot. It's very messy. And that's why I try to avoid thinking, you know, one quadrant at a time, which I used to, and that makes my brain hurt. So I don't do that anymore. Um, but you apply your leg and you ask the horse, um, to move forward. But is it really an ask? Because in most circumstances, um, if the horse doesn't move forward, what do you do? You apply more leg or a whip or a spur and you say, horse, go forward or else things are going to get worse. And that is where I have an issue with negative reinforcement. Um, we've talked about this a thousand times. I don't really like escalating negative reinforcement. Um, because there's an or else. The horse doesn't have a choice. It says, horse, if you don't go faster, I'm going to kick you harder. I'm going to hit you with a whip. I'm going to hit you with my spur. Um, I'm going to lift my leg off your side and kick you. Go forward. And so 
um, the horse, the reason that the horse goes forward is because he is trying to get you to, one, stop kicking him, and two, um, take off that pressure from your leg. So he's trying to get you to remove the stimulus that he doesn't like, i.e. the pressure on his sides and the um, pain from kicking, per se. It depends on, obviously, how hard you kick. But um, so that's where negative reinforcement and liberty don't really jive well together because, A, if it is working, the horse is probably doing it because he doesn't have a choice. Therefore, it's not autonomous. Therefore, um, the horse doesn't have a choice. Therefore, it's not liberty by my definition. And also, why would the horse stay if he had a choice, a genuine choice to leave if all you're doing is removing things he doesn't like to get him to keep doing what you want. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I tend to agree that um, negative reinforcement is really hard to use autonomy with if you especially use escalating negative reinforcement. Oh, more water. Uh, okay. What do I do if I feel stuck in my training? You guys are not asking questions that is relevant to liberty. I said I said verbatim, um, questions you guys have about liberty training, <laughs> etc. And that is not what I got. Um, but I'll answer it. Um, if you feel stuck in your training, I would say change it up. Do something else. If you are an event rider, try doing positive reinforcement groundwork. Do something else. Go on a trail ride. Though sometimes that does not go well because if your horse is strictly an arena horse, while you may think it will be nice and peaceful to go on a trail ride, your horse will be very overwhelmed. <laughs> um, some horses. Um, I used to wonder why. I was like, I'm taking Zoe on this nice relaxing trail ride and she's being a brat on the way back. She's rearing and cantering in place. Well, that's because I thought it was a nice relaxing trail ride. She did not. I did not consider her perception one bit at all. And therefore, I got a horse that was very anxious and stressed and overwhelmed, really wanted to get back with her buddies and was terrified because she was alone very far away from home. Um, so, yes, learned my lesson with that one. Thank you, Adele, for <laughs> teaching me that, the willing equine. Um, so I would say if you feel stuck in your training, change up at uh, within reason. So do something else. Take the pressure off. If you feel like you're not getting anywhere in your training, just go out and enjoy your horse and relax and or maybe take a week off. Um, or maybe sit down and write out some goals that you have and some behaviors you would like to train, um, and then break them down piece by piece and, um, do that sort of thing. Or maybe you could take some time off and spend that time learning. Um, so like for me, I really want to learn how to do Zoe's feet myself. Um, so whenever I catch a break, I'm going to take some time and, uh, read a book that I have on it and uh, start watching some videos and some tutorials and that sort of thing. I spend a lot of time with our farrier asking questions and um, having him show me what he's doing. So I've been slowly learning, but um, I'd really like to be able to get to where I feel comfortable <laughs> being able to do it myself. And um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be really fun to learn something new and uh, doing your own research, and then you feel really confident when you go into doing those things. Because sometimes, like, especially if you try positive reinforcement without doing any research, you're going to be like, 
uh, this shit doesn't work or I'm terrible at it. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, so set yourself up for success. Make sure you're going into it with, um, some knowledge and a fresh mind. If you're having some really difficult circumstances in your personal life and you're really stressed out, I would not recommend trying to train also because you're probably just going to end up stressed out with your horse. Um, so unless that is a way that you de-stress, obviously everybody's different. So maybe some of those recommendations help. Um, you guys, these are not questions about Liberty. Um, how do you get your horse to leave you and go in the lunge circle? Girl, if I knew. Because, I mean, I don't want to, like, punish Zoe and, like, shoo her away. Um, I'll tell you, I want to know how Endo the Blind Morgan taught all of those things. Because, um, Morgan, the, uh, the girl that owns Endo, that's his Instagram name, by the way, is Endo the Blind, and her name is Morgan, so it's Endo the Blind Morgan, but he's not actually a Morgan. Um, (laughs) she... Um, she has like a sound that sends him, like he knows to move out on the circle, a sound to move closer to her, a sound to go faster and to slow down and to come. And I think that's so cool. I have no idea how she trained it. Um, and it could be not a way that I would like to train, but I have a really hard time (laughs) seeing that, but, um, didn't mean to make a sided joke. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know. That is not something that I've been able to achieve. I also know my buddy, um, Meyer Horsemanship, Kane, um, they did a super job with their mare, Lily. Um, so, I don't know. I just haven't figured that out yet. Um, how to reward when the horses get aggressive slash greedy towards treats. Um, again, if you guys listened to the last episode, you know... I don't prefer those words when you say horses are pushy or aggressive or muggy or things like that. It implies that there is some intent behind it, but really they're just doing what's natural to horses. Look at the way they find food naturally. They rub their noses all over the ground until they find the grass that they want. That's what they're doing to you. Unless you teach them something else, they're only going to do what's in their repertoire. It is not already in their repertoire to move their head away from you to look for food. That doesn't make any sense to them. So you have to teach it. So if the horse is being all over you and in your space, you have to reward them for being out of your space. Again, I have a video up on my YouTube channel called How to Start Clicker Training with Positive Reinforcement. And even if you don't want to do that, it is how to teach a horse to not mug. And I should probably just go ahead and film a video called How to Teach Your Horse Not to Mug You or Bite Around Treats. I will put that on my list. Um, Okay. How to create an environment where your horse wants to work with you. Um, I would recommend doing things that your horse enjoys. Perhaps positive reinforcement where he gets nice treats for doing things that you both enjoy doing. Um, Making sure that there is nothing around that is potentially scary or frightening or overwhelming for him. Going at his pace. um, Respecting when he says, no, I don't want to do that. Or no, I'm not comfortable with that. And the thing is, like, no, I don't want to do that is not an end of the road. You have to, as a trainer, figure out how can I make this more enjoyable for the horse, you know? I mean, and obviously, again, I always have to say I am not talking about emergency situations or when the vet comes and you have to get your horse out and you have to pull them and force them or whatever. The goal of training is to prep for situations like that so you don't have to do all those things that you don't like to do, but, you know, not everybody's perfect. I'm definitely not. I'm not all the way there yet, but um, you have to prep and you have to train your horse and um, you have to make 
the things that you do at their pace. You have to respect them as a learner and you have to really, really avoid trying to force it happening and to, um, you know, control the horse, which is so difficult for us, but the horse is a sign of freedom. And for some reason that means that we just want to oppress them and make them do everything we want and bend to our will. And that is not the way it goes. So, listener, I'm not telling you that you have been rude or mean to your horse by any definition. I am just saying that um, you have to consider those things and make sure that you're not doing them. Even if inadvertently, that is okay, but make sure that you're not. Um, And, yeah, I think that's about all I got on that one. Um, What is the first thing you should teach any animal while doing these? I'm assuming you're talking about liberty. I would say, um, especially if you're working with food. I would say um, how to teach the horse how to receive food, not how to not be muggy, not how to not bite, not how to all of those things that you don't want them to do. It's this is a phenomenon that keeps coming up for me in my life recently. It is. I don't know if you guys know this or not. I'm going on a tangent. Fair warning. Um, If you only ever concentrate on the things that you do not want in life, that's all you're going to think about, okay? Here's a thought exercise, everyone. Are you ready for this experiment? Do not think of a pink elephant. What have you only thought about? (laughs) Unless you have, um, oh god, I forgot what the word is for, um, aphantasia. I think that's when you don't have a mind's eye. Um, you thought of a pink elephant. So if you think, I don't want this behavior, I don't want to be ugly, I don't want to be angry, um, I don't want that type of person, I don't want blah, 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 that's all you're going to see around you because your brain cannot think in negatives. You cannot process not a pink elephant. You only see a pink elephant in your mind's eye unless you have aphantasia. So if you're only thinking about, like, have you ever, like, met somebody or, like, like, this happens to me with boyfriends or, like, people I date. (laughs) Every time I date them, I see their car everywhere and I always think it's them because it's, it's at the front of my awareness. Like, I'm always thinking about that type of car when I'm on the road and because I'm thinking about them and I'm looking for them, you know, not, like, actively but like it it happens and so if you are just only focusing on what is wrong what your horse is not doing blah 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 you know you tend to get more or you only see more of that like think about in traditional training how often do you reward your horse for walking next to you the way you want it to hardly ever how often do you correct your horse when he dives for for a bite of grass a lot like we in negative reinforcement and traditional training it is largely centered around what you don't want. And that's what I really love about positive reinforcement because I tend to be a natural cynic. I tend to be pessimistic. I tend to um, have a really honed in focus on the negative and things that I don't like. And that is why I love positive reinforcement because it forces me to look for things that I do want. It forces me to constantly be on guard for the horse acting the way that I want it to or taking a step in the right direction and then I reward for that. And you know which type of training I find myself smiling and laughing the most often in is positive reinforcement because I'm focusing on the good in my training and not the things that I don't like. So I think that it is super, super important to um, not not focus so hard on the things that you don't want your horse to do. Focus on what you do want him to do. And naturally, the behaviors that you don't like, unless something is wrong, 
are going to fade out. Like if you are girthing up your horse, and this is a bad example, but I'm going to go ahead with it. If you're girthing up your horse and you reward him for um, standing still and not wiggling, then the horse is going to learn that you want him to stand still and he's going to get treats that way. But obviously you don't want to really do it in that circumstance because the horse is going to be, um, you know, pinning his ears, probably because he has ulcers. <laughs> um, but maybe like in a circumstance where the horse is, um, you know, if you haven't really worked with the horse on how you would like it to handle food rewards and, um, you know, Oh, sorry. I just got a message and my phone distracted me. Um, so if you haven't worked on your horse, how you'd like him to behave around food rewards and you walk up to him with treats and he starts sniffing you and nosing around in your hands or in your pockets for treats and you just stand there, the horses, you know, some horses will get frustrated and they'll bite you or get aggressive or mug even harder, um, or start pawing. Those are all behaviors you don't want. So maybe you want to set the horse up for success and reward him when he's out of your space. And a positive reinforcement works really well with this because sometimes, because um, I like to start with the, the target and sometimes the horse just gets distracted and looks the other way and then I'll click and treat. And um, it, it just makes things so much more efficient because they get a little bit tired of doing whatever they're doing and then they, they look at something off in the distance and then you click and they're like, oh, and then you've accidentally... Uh, you know, or they've accidentally stumbled on the right behavior. And that's what you want, whether it was intentional or accidental, you want them to always be right. And um, I think it's just the most important part of training. Um, and like, I mean, think about it. If you're, if you're a student and you're in class like this, this used to bother me. And it's why I moved from one of my riding trainers growing up. Um, every time I rode past her and she didn't say anything, I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, I must be doing it right. Cause I could feel her scrutinizing gray uh, gaze staring at me. And I was like, oh God, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And then she never said anything. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm doing it right. That's not a reward. That's a relief. And that is negative reinforcement. I'm anticipating something coming and um, I'm feeling the pressure and then she takes her eyes off of me and she moves away and she doesn't say the thing that I'm anticipating her saying. Um, so then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm relieved. Um, and then I switched to a trainer who always said, yes, that's awesome. You guys look great. Could you tweak this? Great. That looks perfect. Even better. Which trainer do you want to ride under? The one that always tells you you're doing something wrong and never tells you what you're doing right. The only way that you know what you're doing right is when they're not bothering you, when they're not telling you anything. That is not the trainer you want to ride under and neither should you <laughs> expect your horse to want to work with you. So if you're setting your horse up for success, um, you should really be trying to focus on what they're doing right and rewarding them in a way that they like. Um, patting them on the shoulder you know, after you see those like, you know, Grand Prix jumpers or eventers coming off their Rolex ride and they're just slapping the dog shit out of the horse's neck. That does not feel good. It just doesn't. Do it to yourself. Just because it's a horse doesn't make it feel good. If you did that to a dog, you would call it dog abuse. <laughs> like it's, it doesn't feel good. They much prefer scratches. You don't see horses out in the field slapping each other. They graze or, oh my God, they groom each other with their teeth. And it feels much better. And newsflash, your fingers are much better at doing that than their teeth are. And it feels really good. So um, for most horses, some horses actually don't even like that. So then you just stick with treats. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Best ways to do positive reinforcement slash liberty work at a barn without a round pin? Don't use a round pin at all. Do a paddock. Or um, you could even do it in a stall, but you can't do like any, obviously, <laughs> big, fast movements. You could use an arena anywhere. The goal is not to limit the horse on how far he can go away from you. The goal is to make the horse want to stay with you. Um, to... Okay, so I'm reading the rest of the questions and they're not really um, relevant. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm gonna save them for another episode or maybe when I do an episode where I ask you guys to ask me questions, then I will get to that. Um, maybe I'll take notes on some of them for topics. But for now, we're talking about liberty, not other things. Um, but I will answer this last one that says, "Could you do a collab with Shelby Dennis and talk about dominance theory and equine welfare?" And I want to say that that is in the works. Um, Shelby and I have been talking about doing an episode today, actually, which is really odd, um, that I got that question as well, because nobody's ever asked us to collab before on my end. Um, but she messaged me and she was like, Hey, people are asking us to collab. Do you want to? And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Actually, that's nearly exactly what I said. Um, and so I think we're going to try to do, um, some welfare and, behavior perception-esque episodes and I'm really excited she's uh threw out some really awesome ideas so hopefully um it'll be good I've just got to figure out how to do that I know on Anchor you can um had have people in but I don't know if we could like I don't even know if she has a mic that she uses um but that way um that way we could have some better sound quality because if like if I have to hold the phone next to the mic I don't know how well that's gonna go but um I'll test some things out and see uh what I think but anyway thank you guys so much for listening I think that is about it I hope I cleared up some of the misconceptions around uh liberty training and what it is and helped you understand it a little bit better and maybe inspired you to give it a shot so thank you guys so much for listening be sure to check us out on instagram facebook youtube and twitter at jet equithery also keep up with the podcast on instagram and facebook at jet real podcast um, be sure to support us on patreon if you're feeling like you can um that is jet real podcast you can just search it in the patreon app or on the website i do monthly live q a's um, so be sure to join that. I always recommend joining the Patreon at the first of the month because it, like, if you join on, like, the 26th of a month, you'll have to pay again at the first of the next month. I don't know why they set it up like that. It really should just be, like, if you pay on the 26th, that's the day that you pay every month. But that's not how they work. So I recommend signing up on the first. Um, this past month, I did the Q&A on the 17th, so you are not behind. Um, so if you would like, do that. Uh, I also can answer your training questions and all that good stuff. But yeah, I think that that about covers it. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and the two dominance theory episodes, the little bonus episode made my heart so happy. Um, but yeah, I think without further ado, I don't know why I always try to say that at the end of the episode. With that said, that is the ending one. Uh, with that said, I will see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you so much.